It is Friday, the 8th of March, 2019, and thank God it is Friday. My name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 30 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice, and if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. This week, I thought I would focus in on some of the smaller names on the NZX. So to qualify for this week, to get on the podcast as a company, you have to be small, And that is decided by me just making an arbitrary assessment of what small is by myself. So there might be a different range of small. And you have to have reported news recently, preferably during the week. And it will also help if I don't know much about you as a company. So I've got four or five companies to talk about. And the NZX is a good place for small companies. The reason for that is that they often go unnoticed by the rest of the market. And it takes sometimes takes a while before big investors pick up on them. And that provides everyone else as an, an opportunity to, 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 to play with them. And, and the good thing is with the New Zealand market being small, not having too many names, you're normally aware of some of the some of what those companies are and the participation of investors and companies like A2 Milk and Zero are examples of New Zealand companies that have turned into large international players and I guess the the job of the small cap investor is to find the next companies that can do this and I can guarantee there'll be more in the future. The flip side of small cap investing is that the space is also home to some of the most famous market losers, and that is companies that used to exist but no longer do. Think Winyard as an example, and I can guarantee that there'll be more of these in the future as well. So the small cap space, you can expect some of your biggest winners if you invest successfully, but if you're involved in this space, the flip side is that you can expect some of your biggest losers as well. So without wasting any more time, let's get into it. The company that we're going to start off is called Finsoft, spelled F-I-N-Z-S-O-F-T. If you want to go to the website, add a .com on the end of that and you'll get there and find out a bit more about what they do. I will start by saying that going into this, that I do not know much about the company, apart from the assumption that they are in the financial services space. And I've made this assumption purely based off the name, so I could be completely wrong. So Finsoft trades on the NZX under the ticker code FIN. They have about 8.8 million shares outstanding. And the last time they traded, it was at $1.60 per share. This gives them a market capitalization of a tick over 14 million. So they're a small, but this market capitalization might be a little bit misleading, which is why it's sometimes important to work out your own figures. And it's a difficult one to figure out exactly what that market capitalization is. Just looking at the depth on direct broking, the last price looks like $1.60 per share, but the only buyers is, is about 50,000 shares at 15 cents per share. Um, so it's obviously a, a big difference to $1.60. I'm, I'm not sure if someone's actually done the valuation there of what they think it's worth or if they're just throwing out a, a, a price there to see if someone will sell it to them. And certainly if you wanted to sell your shares today, that's what you'd have to sell them for. And there are also sellers of 40,000 shares at $1. So if you certainly wanted to buy them today and you wanted to buy them straight away, you'd have to buy them at a dollar. So since the math is really easy um, and you can buy it for a dollar, let's assume that we use $1 to calculate the market cap, market cap which is 8.8 million shares multiplied by a dollar equals 8.8 million. And even though I don't need a calculator for that one. Um, 
so this is about as illiquid as it gets really and if nothing wrong with illiquidity as I've said in the past but if you're buying the stock you, you really ought to be careful with what you're doing here it's not like if you buy and suddenly change your mind it's easily going to be an easy one to get out of it's not the sort of company that you want to be buying one day and and selling I mean you don't really want to be doing that anyway but especially with a company like this if you're buying this you're making an assessment of its value and you're buying and holding and that is unless of course you you hate your money imagine <laughs> buying it one day for a dollar and then having to sell the next day for 15 cents it's a it's a quick way to the poor house. Just having a, a quick squiz at the annual report, I see that 85.47% of the shares are owned by a company called Silver Lake HGH Limited, and this probably explains illiquidity. I, I, I don't know who they are, but I seem to remember when they came into the fold, there was a bit of hoo-ha about them, but you might want to check that out for yourself. And any time there is a cornerstone shareholder like this, you want to make sure that you're comfortable investing alongside them. And there's going to be different different things for different levels of comfort depending on the on the the who's on the who's investing with you obviously if it's Warren Buffett for example you might feel more comfortable than if it was I don't know someone else so Jenny Shipley for example in, in the news at the moment but I didn't say that um so what does FinSoft do according to their website they're a world-leading fintech solutions provider without being critical that might be a bit of an exaggeration but I'll let it pass so they have a product called Sovereign and Sovereign according to the front page of their website offers both core and vertical specific solutions supporting leading banks building societies credit unions and finance unions unions across asia pacific it continues it is a highly integrated solution that delivers all of the components institutions need to drive growth so to be honest it's, it's not clear from the front page of the website what they specifically do and i i, I mean i didn't look at the website with a fine-tooth comb but having a look at the other parts of the website it's not 100 percent clear to me I, I don't normally like that but it's not necessarily a bad thing sometimes the companies especially in spaces where it's software where you don't necessarily easily see what they do sometimes it can take a while to figure it figure it out and because it takes a while to figure out sometimes they're the best opportunities but certainly on netflix when you go to netflix website for example you don't have to have an, a, too much of an iq to figure out what they do in about half a second so you know it is one that probably takes a bit of getting your head around but like i said that's not necessarily a bad thing Okay, specifically on the interim results, which they released during the week, operating revenue of 6.64 million, down from 7.44 million across a comparable period. Um, this translated to a larger loss on the bottom line of just over $1 million. This was compared to $300,000 loss in the prior year. And looking at the cash flow statement, I'd be worried about the cash burn here. Um, they took on four hundred thousand of debt during the half, four hundred thousand dollars of debt during the half, and despite this, cash on hand decreased by about nine hundred and fifty k. So they'll either have to take on more debt or raise cash in another way if the cash burn continues. And I wonder if this large shareholder has aspirations to take out the rest of the shares. Anyway, oh, I've spoken for the, about the company for about five minutes. There's clearly a lot going on, and if you look through the list of the news updates from the company in 2018, you'll see that there's a lot to understand. It's it's not. I don't normally say what's not for me and what's right for me, but it's not really for me. But I cannot imagine that there are many people looking at this. You know, a, a eight million dollar New Zealand company with an 85% shareholder means that if you have any sort of reasonable 
amount of money. Like if you're any sort of institution, you basically can't touch this, so it's not going to make any because it just literally can't make a meaningful impact to your to your investors. So what that means is that if you're looking at it, you're competing against everyday investors. So most people aren't going to take the time to figure this sort of thing out. Um, so with these sorts of opportunity, with these sorts of things, if if you take some time to figure out the value, sometimes there is an opportunity to be to be realised. I'd say that it's not for the faint-hearted, and I would say that if you are going to go do the work on a company like this, don't just buy it because you've done the work. Only only buy it. <laughs> Because sometimes you feel like in the stock market you do all this work and then it, it's not it, you realise it's not quite right but you buy it anyway because you feel like you have to because you spent the time on it. So I would say figure out what you think the company is worth, um, really go into detail on it and if you think there's an opportunity to buy the company for significantly less than what's going to play out then it could be an opportunity because trust me not very many people are looking at this one and this may be the first time you've heard about it on the podcast. The second stock I'll talk about today is Wellington Drive Technologies. They trade on the NZX under the ticker code WDT. They meet the criteria for the episode. They reported earnings during the week. It's a company that I don't know much about, and they certainly are small. So with a share price of 21 cents and 257 million shares outstanding, they have a market cap of approximately 54 million. Compared to Finsoft, it doesn't take that much time to figure out the basics of what they do. So on the front page of the website, it says, simply better refrigeration with our smart, efficient, and reliable motors and controls. Then it says, simply better sales with our simple and cost-effective marketing tools. So having a look at the, the product section of the women, I you can you can basically figure out then that they're into refrigeration, motors, and marketing. So it's, it's an, e- an easy blend there. And I, I like to be able to figure something out in, in two seconds. Obviously, that's only the, 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 I guess, the macro view of what the company does. So there's obviously a lot more to it. But it's good to be able to fit, figure out the macro view quickly. So looking at the product section of the website, they do refrigeration motors. So not the sort of thing that you'd, you'd see in the house that you put your milk in, but more the types of fridges you'd see in commercial operations that they put their milk in. So such as cafes and kitchens or I guess other applications that you need a, a fridge for. Um, they also do a lot of monitoring and management aspects related to these fridges. So I guess some servicing and remote controlling and fleet management, which I guess is another word of for monitoring. Um, they also have some proximity marketing solutions. This was the interesting aspect of the um, of the service. So proximity marketing solutions, to me, without knowing too much about much. That means that when you get close to a fridge, your phone recognises that you've bought something similar in the past and it, it pings you and lets you know that it's in there. So I could be a little bit wrong about the explanation there. I'm not 100% sure, but you'd have to wonder about any privacy implications there. But go and read more at, at wdtl.com and, and that's their website and and get an understanding for yourself but that's what it seems like to me so anyway the headline of the earnings update read wdt achieves earnings guidance with 36 percent growth and that's certainly a, a positive headline at least on the surface so reading the report the company is looking to blend refrigeration with the internet of things and i'm guessing but i could be wrong that like i said it's something when you get near the fridge that lets you know what type of drink you've bought in the past. And <laughs> unfortunately, I, I don't need any sort of reminder 
to buy an unhealthy drink, I'm, I'm, perf- I'm perfectly capable of doing that to myself when I shouldn't anyway. So it would be useless on me. But to be honest, if, if, if that is a concept, I, I can see an application there. Um, it, it, it does make sense to me. Um, like I guess it might be futuristic in, in some sort of way, something you'd see on the movies in the in the nineties of that there's some sort of future thing, but I guess it's a technology that you can see could work. And I guess it's a a competitive advantage or I guess unique selling point over other fridge services or products. So you know, I imagine normally, and geez, someone's going to criticise me here, but I imagine normally there's not too much to ordering fridges. You you compare them and you you buy the one that's the cheapest that does this, does the the best job. And I imagine if you've got one fridge versus another, and one is connected to the internet and can help drive your sales more, then maybe that fridge will become more competitive. So I, I guess that's the that's the point there. So anyway, I'm digressing a bit, but let's get into the numbers. So the company said that the fourth quarter of 2018 was the highest revenue quarter in the company's history. They achieved full-year EBITDA surplus of $2.5 million. I've spoken about EBITDA in the past. Don't care too much about that. Care more about the positive cash flow, operating cash flow anyway, of $1.8 million. That number is a little bit more interesting to me. Revenue increased 36% to $58.8 million, And this, impressively, is a continuation of what they've done over the last five years. And they've achieved a compound average growth rate of 35% over the last five years. So without any further investigation on the surface, these numbers are quite impressive. Um, they also reported strong growth in new product lines and margins also grew slightly. So they delivered services revenues of $1.3 million, that's US dollars, or, or just over 3% of total revenues. So the market seems to like service revenue these days. So I guess it would be nice to see some continued growth here in the future. There also appears to be some operating leverage in the business. Operating costs were 20% of revenue compared to 23% of revenue last year. The company is also forecasting continued growth in the Internet of Things space. So look, there's probably enough to warrant further research here, and I guess the balance sheet would be the next thing, but more importantly, research into the product and its actual applications and if they actually have something real. Um, so that, that would be what I'd recommend anyway. Um, now, obviously, the stock is priced for growth, a market cap of $54 million and cash flows from operations of one point. 8 million is a cap rate of 3.33%. So if you're buying the stock today, it is is for that growth. Um, I don't think you'd be buying it otherwise. So like I said, I think there's some room for investigation here, more investigation. I'm not an expert in this sort of stuff, so I can't really offer too much insight. But I I think it's probably worth finding out more. I'm always a bit leery, one thing I would say, is I'm always a bit leery of updates that use terms such as Internet of Things so frequently in the report. It just strikes me as one of those buzzwords that, that companies like to like to bang on about sometimes. And actually, this is not this is not one of these drive technologies I'm talking about here necessarily, but one thing I did notice last year and... I guess continuing into this year and I guess we can call this one of those beware of segments of the podcast is companies that, okay I'll start again, beware of companies in my view that put out updates that go along the lines of we have transferred over to AWS during the quarter and 
AWS's Amazon Web Services. It seemed to be a, a trend for a while there where if a company transferred their cloud stuff over to Amazon Web Services, it, for some reason it was a big deal. And I always think if companies have got nothing better to talk about than the fact that they trans that they change their cloud providers, it means they've probably got nothing better to talk about. And it, it sort of <laughs> makes me... a a, a bit cautious so beware of companies that put out updates that solely focus on amazon web services if anything it's a positive thing for amazon web services maybe reason to buy amazon shares but it's certainly not reason to buy a shares in a company that is all they've done is gone on amazon web services there might be something i'm missing about amazon web services but yeah it's, it's certainly a concern for me anyway back to Wellington drive technologies it is nice to see a company that is growing and cash flow positive, um, but that's not enough for celebration or, or reason to buy the stock. If you're looking, if you're looking at, it, then I'd recommend a, a thorough investigation before pulling any triggers. And the good thing is that I don't think this is a company that would be impossible to figure out. So I'd be interested to hear people's feedback on it. Now for our old friend Orion Healthcare. For those that don't don't know, they trade on the NZX under the ticker code OHE, although it might not be for much longer. So they're a little bit bigger than the other companies I've talked about today, at least in valuation terms, and they used to be uh, quite a lot bigger. But in, in, in real terms, at least compared to a lot of other companies in the stock market, they're still quite small. And this is, I guess, the last charade of the of the trade that I talked about in episode 23. Um, so during the week, the company announced that the independent directors of Orion unanimously recommended that shareholders accept the takeover by Grafton Health Holdings Limited. So this is basically Emma Cray and the others buying the rest of the shares that they that did not get soaked up in the buyback that happened at the end of last year. And there is no reward for shareholders that decided to remain loyal to the company and stuck it out as the takeover price today is the same as the $1.22 and 40% of one cent that it was back in last year and that is 1.224 in other words. So no surprises there. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that this is probably something that was in the works all along. Um, the announcement also included a report by the independent advisor Corda Mentha, and it is eighty two pages long, and it serves me no real benefit to to read it as the buyout is is clearly going ahead. I mean, the, the stock is trading with buyers at one twenty one, the sellers at one twenty two, the buyout price is at one twenty two four. So, you know, it's it. It's it's clearly going ahead, and you know Grafton's already acquired ninety percent of the shares, and as the update said, there's no realistic prospect of a competing offer emerging. So trust me, if the stock was trading at one oh six like it was the first time this buyback happened, then I would most certainly be reading it, but not this time, and. I hope they didn't pay quarter mentha too much for the report because it pretty much just needed to tick the boxes. Although I was interested in seeing the quarter mentha valuation range. They they said that the company was worth between one dollar and one dollar forty seven per share, which is anywhere between a, a market cap of one hundred and nine and one hundred and sixty million, which is a pretty wide range. And <laughs> it's funny that the buyout price is right in the middle. So to me, and, and this is just my opinion, and 
I acknowledge that I, I am too lazy to read the report. It it seems that it, it sort of means one of two things, either that they were actually just box ticking and giving the company what they needed to hear. Believe it or not, I, I, I don't actually have too much of a problem with that. I mean, some of the stuff that companies have to generate just to, to box tick for the markets can be a bit ridiculous. And in this case, do they really need to generate too much of a report if they already own so much of the shares and or another plausible outcome is that they actually have no idea of what Orion's truly worth um, so they've gone with the safe side of sticking in quite a, a wide valuation range and I think that's entirely, entirely feasible that they didn't really know what they're worth and I'd probably also be in that camp myself I, I have no idea what Orion Healthcare was worth I knew what I bought them for that time at 106 and I knew what I was going to sell them for but in terms of their true intrinsic value I had no idea anyway like it or not I guess the net result is that another company has gone from the NZX and I suppose that is the the shame is a a shame at the end of the day the final company that I'm going to talk about today is another one that reported an update during the week and they're also in like Orion Healthcare also in the healthcare medical space the company is called True Screen. True Screen, sorry, they trade on the NZX under the ticker code TRU. They have two hundred sixteen million shares on issue, and the share price is currently fifteen cents. That gives them a market cap of thirty two and a half million. Holders of True Screen have not had a great week, with the stock down fifteen percent on Thursday and moving to a fifty two week low. For those that don't know and would like to know, True Screen has a like I guess it's like a wand like product um just looking on the in- internet site sort of the the shape of like those small vacuum cleaners that housewives used to lo- use in the in the 60s around the house around that sort of size is, is is my assumption looking at the pictures um and the product is used in early detection of cervical cancer and that is about where my knowledge of what they do ends so you can go to their website www.truescreen.com that's t-r-u-s-c-r-e-e-n.com and there is a great product page with its features and benefits it's got a product overview and, and history and performance studies and if you were an expert in this field you would obviously have an edge on the rest of the market unfortunately i do not have any real edge in figuring out where they sit in their marketplace despite this i'm i'm pretty confident of the investment thesis here and i'll quickly summarize if you took 10 medical supply and technology companies, say ranging in market cap from zero to 100 million, I anticipate five or six will go out of business or be acquired. Two or three will just cruise along promising but never really delivering for investors. Their share price will be up, their share price will be down, but net you, you won't really achieve much and the company won't really achieve much, but they'll they'll struggle along. One or two will nail their product, achieve commercial success and be 10 baggers. One out of a thousand will be 100 baggers and make their investors rich. The trouble is figuring out what is what. And even if you were an expert in a particular field, you'd still have your more than your fair share of failures. And, and the reason is it's impossible to predict the future. But an expert will give you a, a probability edge and you can make a lot of money with a style of investing not necessarily in the medical supply space, but in any of these sort of small and speculative spaces. In my view, if you're going down this route, you need to 
think a lot about risk management and position sizing. You want the big winners to pay for all of your losers. So initially, you want to be small and well diversified. And you know that doesn't mean just going and buying 10 companies for the sake of it. You want to do your research on each company and, and, or buy it and buy them as they come up. Um, but you want to be able to increase your position size in the companies that you either have a very strong view on or the companies that outperform and and when the company starts outperforming you you may have found the one that is is going to succeed and then the tough part is hanging on like crazy and you know you hear that with a2 milk all the time people say oh i had a 10,000 shares at 10 cents a share but i I sold them when they got to 50 cents because i'd made five times my money and they just couldn't handle it anymore and you know imagine if they'd held on you know but you can understand why they'll sell because most companies don't do what A2 Milk's done. So, you know, there are some other things you can do to improve your odds. You know, look for companies that actually have sales, for example, or I'm just making these up, but maybe companies that have some management ownership as well, can, is, and not just options, but genuine management own, ownership. But it's a tough game and it's not really for me, but it, it, it can be done if done right. So getting back to, to TrueScreen, the, the update didn't come with too many in the way of tangible numbers, which might have been what everyone else in the market was looking for and may explain why the stock's down. They said that they're continuing to implement the strategy to offer cervical cancer screen solutions in developing nations and that they have made some strategic partnerships. In, in terms of outlook, they're expecting full-year sales to be $2.2 million, which is a 175% increase over the prior year, and they're expecting a loss of $3.5 million. I guess, thinking out loud, I imagine the, the price per unit of the company is going to be reasonably high. I'm not sure what these machines cost, but it'll be reasonably high. It won't be like a, a, a buying a, an Apple phone where the price per unit is comparatively quite low. So it it wouldn't be too much of a reach for them to either outperform significantly or underperform but based on a few unit sales either here nor there. So it'd be one to... You know, if if they, it's it's one that could achieve outperformance if they get, if they land some big contracts, say with some hospital chains or or I, I don't know, some big contracts would would really outperform for the company here. And likewise, if they lost some, then it would be be you know detrimental to the company or at least to the stock price. Um. Anyway, so the the losses aren't unusual for this type of company, and it's not necessarily something to get your knickers in a twist about. I think you can expect it at this stage and you can probably expect more losses for the time being and probably some capital raises as the company attempts to push their product towards commercial viability. Without knowing much about much, my concern is that the company's marketplace in developing nations, you know, it's not necessarily the best market for medical supplies. And Obviously, that's the market they're, they're targeting. And without sounding cold, it's it's obviously great because you know it's going to parts of the world where it's needed, but it's not really where the money is in medical technology and devices. So it'd be interesting to hear their, more about their business model. And I wonder if there's any commercial viability in, in the markets, the United States and Europe. But that, that's just a, 
a question for management anyway. Anyway, True Screen, it, it seems like an interesting company. I would love to I would love to see these guys succeed. Honestly, I would. It would be great to have a company like this as a big part of the NZX. It would add some nice diversity to all the power generators and retirement villages listings that we have out there. So, you know, Godspeed and I, I wish True Screen and their shareholders all the best and I'll keep it up. I'll keep I'll add it to the watch list for the podcast and keep updating people about it. Anyway, that's about all I have time for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I went out of my way to find some smaller companies on the NZX that we haven't spoken about before. Take some time to review some of the other smaller names in the market as well, and there's many more of them out there. The great thing about small companies is that you only need one or two of them to come off to be very successful, so the rest you have to be used to disappointment. I'd recommend applying your whatever edge you have from your day-to-day life, and everyone's got a different edge, to the small cap market to see if you can pick the next winners. And obviously, it looks easy on retrospect, but it is easier said than done. Many thanks again for listening into the podcast. As a reminder, nothing that I said today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking to find out more about the podcast, go to www.stopmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give it a like by searching on Facebook. Make sure also to share with your friends. If you want to email me, it is jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin and this, this has been episode 30 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Friday, the 8th of March, 2019. I'll see you all next week.